SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of the morning after on this first day of the month of March. Sirius XM channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. This smile on my face will not leave for the entirety of this month because it is March. The madness has officially begun in college basketball. It really started all the month of February, especially over the last two weeks and last Saturday as well. But now in March, it just feels like it's about to ratchet up even that much more. The final week of the regular season in the high major power conferences as we get things going, looking at conference tournaments in mid-major programs and leagues that also start this week as well. A ton of college basketball for you here to set the stage entering the month of March in this second hour. Also, some NBA discussion as well as we move through this second hour of the morning after right here on the Spiz Grizz. Let's begin with a huge one in the Big Ten tonight. No, not Wisconsin and Purdue. More of that game a little bit later on, but an in-state showdown between two very bitter foes in Michigan State and Michigan. An intriguing line for this game in Ann Arbor tonight. The home team, the Wolverines, a four and a half point favorite right now, live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over understands at 142 and a half. This is a very intriguing line for reasons I'm about to lay out here as it comes to my understanding. Michigan State upset Purdue at home in East Lansing on Saturday, winning outright on a last second three-pointer from Tyson Walker as a five-point underdog. But they had lost five of their last six entering that game. Michigan, of course, playing without their head coach, Jawan Howard. Now, this being the third game of his five-game suspension to end out the regular season. Michigan won the first game without Jawan over Rutgers, but made it a game against Illinois at home on Saturday, ultimately, or on Sunday, rather, but ultimately losing 93-85, not covering as a one-point home underdog. Michigan is squarely on the bubble right now, but on the right side of it, as many bracketologists will tell you, Michigan State at the moment seems as though they are safely in to the NCAA tournament. These two teams, as they say, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Both teams have four quad one wins. Both teams are factoring in that bubble discussion, and this presents a quad one opportunity for both teams tonight. Michigan State, as an underdog this year, four and four against the number, winning outright in three of those four covers. Michigan, as a favorite, has not been very good. Seven and 12 ATS, not covering by nearly four points per game one of the biggest knocks against Tom Izzo's team this year is their ability to turn the ball over at a very high percentage in fact the highest percentage and turnover rate in the Big Ten Conference but Michigan doesn't really take it away the second lowest turnover rate defensively in the Big Ten Conference a big game tonight with a number that stands out because I would look more to the side of the underdog getting four and a half points here for the Michigan State Spartans and that number at plus 164. But in your handicapping here in the month of March, motivation reigns supreme. Michigan squarely on the bubble. Michigan State can almost stamp 
their tournament resume with a win tonight on the road and a Wolverines victory will go a large way as well. A huge game in the Big Ten, but it does not stop there. We go to the Big East Conference as well. A top 15 matchup in Philadelphia tonight. First, a welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the month of March beginning right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens, number nine Providence. We are friared up. On the road tonight, taking on 11th-ranked Villanova. The Friars inside the top 10 after a statement victory on Saturday in Friartown at home inside the dunk, winning by 21, easily covering as a five-point favorite against Creighton to earn Providence's first-ever Big East regular season title in program history. So is there motivation for Ed Cooley's team in their regular season finale tonight? against Villanova that we will have to see because I was thinking this line might be a little bit shorter than it is but it opened at 10 in favor of Nova it is now at nine and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the home team tonight when you look at the metrics Providence would seem to be in a great great spot seven and one against the spread as an underdog this year covering by nearly nine points per game because they have won outright in all seven of those covers. The only time they did not cover a number was a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, in fact, on a Tuesday night at home against Villanova when they lost by five and were a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Villanova hasn't played in a week. They have been rested and ready for this moment against the Providence Friars tonight at home. The last time the Cats played, last Tuesday night, against UConn on the road in a great Big East game where UConn prevailed by two and Villanova pushed as a two-point underdog. Villanova has only covered in two of their last eight games, but they do have the ninth shortest odds to reach the Final Four right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 400. Better odds than Providence, whose odds stand at 16-1 to to reach the Final Four. I was hoping this number would be shorter, and then although I am constantly fired up, I would have hammered Villanova. Now at nearly double digits, motivation or not, it's a big number for a Providence team that is and 7-1 against the number as an underdog so far this season. I probably am not going to bet this game because of all the motivation around it and instead focus on the two big ones we have in the Big Ten. A huge Tuesday night in college basketball to start the month of March. We need to look at where the national championship market has moved. We do that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Allow us to set the stage here for the month of March and the madness of the NCAA tournament where everybody's ultimate goal, Cinderella or perennial powerhouse, is to cut down the nets in early April as the last team standing as the national champion in men's college basketball. So as we do that here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159 with myself being Ben Stevens, we need to look at where the market was and where it currently stands on this first day of the month of March. We do that right now in Market Movers.
So we are going to look at the seven best odds for the seven best teams as the market sees it to win that national championship and where their odds were back over a month ago, nearly two months ago on January 12th, 2022. So the current seven best odds now versus where they were a little less than two months back in the second week of January. And of course, we start at the top with Gonzaga. Right now, the shortest price on the board plus 400 but not the shortest price we have seen on the zags all year long that was plus 380 but both shorter than where the zags were nearly two months ago at plus 650 you will see tons of movements for the two cats kentucky was 22 to 1 now the second best price at plus 700 for arizona and those wildcats 18 to 1 to now plus 750 duke some movement against them 10 to 1 in early january now 12 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Auburn movement in their favor as well by $8, 21 to 1 to plus 1300. Purdue currently at plus 1300 as well, tied for the sixth best odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now because although we had market movement from over a month and a half ago to when this board was filled out last night, we had some movement early this morning as well. The Baylor Bears with a price you saw there at 14 to 1. Now the fourth best odds by themselves this morning based on the huge road win and cover last night in Austin. Baylor is now 11 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. A dollar of movement against them from earlier in January to where things currently stand in the fourth best odds so those top four teams if you want to correlate it to the final four market would be Gonzaga as the number one Kentucky as the number two Arizona number three and now Baylor number four could those four teams be the four one seeds on the one line by the time we get to the NCAA tournament a predictive model with the committee I'm sure taking all of this into account let's begin with the cats and that would be the two wildcats Kentucky and Arizona and also the big cats and that being the Auburn Tigers because that is where most of the movement has happened in the past month and a half or so as it pertains to the national championship Kentucky has seen the most movement in this marketplace $15 of movement in favor of Kentucky from a price of 22 to 1 to now 7 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And again, the second shortest odds. $15 of movement for Kentucky, over $10 of movement for Arizona, 18 to 1 to now plus 750. When you have compared Kentucky and Arizona for the past three weeks or so in this marketplace to win a national championship, they have really been neck and neck, battling it out at times, tied for the second shortest odds behind Gonzaga. At times, Arizona had the second best price by themselves. At times, it was Kentucky, as it stands right now, at plus 700 with a price ahead of Arizona. But marginally better than the Wildcats of Arizona for the Wildcats of Kentucky. 50 cents in this marketplace, and as you look at the odds to reach the Final Four, also very, very closely tied. Gonzaga is minus 115. Wild to have a minus money price at any time to reach the Final Four, but for those two cats, Kentucky and Arizona, plus 155 for UK, plus 165 for Zona. And then I mentioned the big cats in this field, 
the Auburn Tigers. Tons of movement for Bruce Pearl and company this entire season. This was predicted for Kentucky. Kentucky was going to be a good team this year with more experience for Coach Cal than we had seen in quite some time. Arizona was picked fourth in the Pac-12 preseason poll, and Auburn was not necessarily a thought entering this year as well. $8 of movement in the past just shy of two months for the Auburn Tigers. But in early December, back when I screenshotted these odds, I went all the way down to about the 22 uh, best odds that we saw, the 22nd best price on the FanDuel Sportsbook, which at that time was around 42 to 1. Auburn was not even in that ballpark. So a price greater than 42 to 1 back in early December. Now where things stand in the very first day of March, Auburn tied for the sixth best price at 13 to 1 with Purdue. And the market has worked against Auburn a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Two road losses for the Auburn Tigers, three and seven against the number on the road for Auburn this year. Just something to keep in mind. Gonzaga's price has also gotten shorter in the last month and a half or so, but this is not the shortest price we have seen on the Zags all year. That was plus 380 late last week prior to the loss to St. Mary's on the road on Saturday night. Purdue, we saw a price with the Boilermakers as low as plus 700 in early December, now 13 to 1, and plus 850 late last week before a road loss to Michigan State as well. Again, part of that madness of Saturday with these six top teams in the country all losing on the very same day. Duke got as low as plus 750 as at a point as well. Now 12 to 1 and some market movement against them from that early January portion as well at 10 to 1. Let's also compare the odds of the two teams that we have seen really highlight the group out of the Big 12 all year long last night as you could see in this market movers board Baylor was 14 to 1 as was Kansas as well we decided to include Baylor because Kansas has not seen any movement on a price still at 14 to 1 from where they were on January 12th but Baylor had movement against them from 10 to 1 to 14 to 1 but now back down to 11 to 1 the fourth best odds and it's interesting at times to see movement based on one singular game but I guess the odds makers here at the FanDuel Sportsbook felt that what Baylor did last night after they beat Kansas at home on Saturday to follow that up in a short 48 hour turnaround on the road in Austin against a top 25 team in Texas and not only win by seven but cover as a two and a half point favorite was impressive enough to take three dollars of movement off of Baylor's price and move it from 14 to 1 to 11 to 1. Again, the fourth best odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kentucky is in action tonight. Arizona is in action tonight on the road against USC. Purdue in action tonight as well as the Boilermakers look to stay in the hunt for at least a share of a Big Ten regular season title. Kansas also in action tonight, and Kansas has a tough one on the road in Fort Worth against TCU, a Horned Frogs team that is 8-3-1 against the number as an underdog so far this season. Baylor is off tonight, of course, having played last night. Right now, Kansas and Baylor are tied for the top spot in the conference standings in the Big 12. I believe that the winner of the Big 12 conference will ultimately be a number one seed for the NCAA tournament. And again, last week, we told you about the profitable nature of betting number one seeds 
to win the national championship. Yes, now in the month of March, we often think of all of the madness that we see. We remember the high seeds that made a run to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8. We remember the Cinderella stories in one shining moment. But number one seeds are number one seeds for a reason. Since the tournament field expanded to 64 teams in 1985, we have seen 36 national champions in men's basketball. 23 of 36 have been a number one seed. 59 number one seeds have reached the final four as compared to 60 combined two, three, and four seeds since the tournament field expanded back in 1985. All that you need to know in the month of March for the madness. We wish baseball was here too. We get an update next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Today is the first day in the month of March, which means college basketball in the madness, but would also be a time where we look at spring training and we get hopeful for the summer months where Major League Baseball dominates the sports landscape. That was supposed to be the case. It is not, and we break that down with the lockout latest right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, joined now by Arm Layton, joining the show once again to help us make sense of what we are seeing around Major League Baseball. Arm Layton is the co-founder of Just Baseball Media, covers everything across Major League Baseball and also the MLB draft once we get to that point later in the summer. But first, Arm, we need to discuss what is happening down in Jupiter, Florida in the latest updates as you know them for this lockout hopefully coming to an end. It was an arbitrary deadline, it seemed yesterday, set by the owners that Monday, February 28th would be the last day they would negotiate before the regular season might be delayed and we might lose regular season games. So, Arm, I ask, what do you make of this deadline now being extended as it seems some progress is happening between the two sides. Yeah, it's so funny, right, how this fabricated deadline ended up being something that that somewhat worked in a way, but it reminded me almost of the non-waiver trade deadline we used to have in baseball, and then you could still make trades afterwards. They just had to clear waivers. That's how it felt like for here. It was almost just a, a line in the sand, but what it did force was a little bit of urgency, I think, from both sides, and this was the first time we saw... MLB and the owners give a little bit, which was really encouraging to see. I, I don't know if you were like me and a lot of the other people in the baseball community. I wanted to go to sleep so bad last night, uh, yeah. but unfortunately, we just kept seeing progress. Or fortunately, I should say, we kept seeing progress and progress. And I think things are looking really good. It seems like they're at the goal line with a lot of these issues right now. From what I'm hearing, it seems like the playoffs, the expansion of it is kind of the last bargaining chip that the players have. They're keeping that in their back pocket to try to squeeze out as much as they can with minimum salaries and, of course, the CBT, the competitive balance tax, which is basically just the soft cap for payroll for, for teams. Yeah, so, Arm, we heard about the CBT and the pre-arbitration pool and some of these big sticking points as these negotiations were taking place over the last couple of months, but especially ratcheted up in the last couple of weeks. And then last night, it was the idea of an expanded playoff field so what do you think is truly at stake here that could push a deal across the deadline 
it really seems like the owners are dead set on that expanded postseason. And, you know, I don't think $25,000 on a minimum salary for, uh, you know, these players that a lot of them are fighting for. I don't think the owners are really stuck on that. Again, they're leveraging that side of things. So I think the, the expanded postseason, as, as everybody probably knows, it, it means a lot more revenue for these teams. And that's why the owners are all about it. I will say, though, I, it was something I wasn't really thrilled about at first. But the more you think about it, the more it keeps more teams in the fold, right? The second wildcard team kind of allowed uh, for more teams to feel like they were in it. Less tanking has been what the players are arguing for. In a way, I think this could inspire teams to try to be a little bit more competitive, knowing it's not as daunting to get to the postseason. But I think that's definitely the thing that the owners are dead set on. Uh, to get more revenue going in there and expand that postseason. Because right now, baseball is, is the smallest in terms of teams that make it. So we had that deadline yesterday of February 28th. Now there has been some reports, Aram, of today at 5 p.m. Eastern time being the true deadline before regular season games might potentially hang in the balance. Do you think a deal will get done today between Major League Baseball and the players? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I, I think so. Um, you know, the, the 13 meetings yesterday, uh, the 15 hours straight of going at it, uh, there's been a lot of things that, to me, kind of defy logic with this whole process. Uh, but this would probably be the straw that broke the camel's back, right? I, I would be shocked if after all of that, they somehow hit a sticking point based on where they are at. It seems like they're at the goal line. Um, and even though there's these contentious topics they've gotten so far they've made so much progress I would be shocked if it was all for naught so to answer your question I, I think they get it done I certainly hope that they do yesterday arm as we were waiting for some updates from what was happening between Major League Baseball the owners and the players on the other side we got some big news out of the Miami Marlins our Craig Mish here on Sports Grid broke the news that Miami and Derek Jeter parting ways in that Derek Jeter stepping down as CEO of the Miami Marlins not only are you the co-founder of Just Baseball Media you cover the Marlins very closely what was your takeaway from this breaking news alert that we had yesterday you know it, it was this weird mixture of shocked but not shocked uh, if that makes sense where you know, this was a situation here where you don't see very many CEOs or executives take a job leading a baseball team with zero days of experience. And I think that there was a disconnect with a lot of the ways things needed to be done. Um, I don't think it was as clear cut as just spending. Like Jeter wanted to spend more and the owners didn't. I think it was a lot more nuanced than that. Uh, and philosophically, I think there was a few different, uh, I guess, angles and approaches in the way they looked at things. But ultimately... I mean, there, there was a lot of inexperience that showed at times with Jeter. I think his heart was in the right place. I think he did a lot of good things for baseball in the community. But at the end of the day, just because you almost played 3,000 MLB games, that can't circumvent the fact that you have zero days of executive experience. And I think a lot of uh, what we saw over the last four years exposed some of that inexperience. And I think the ownership group, Bruce Sherman and the other investors, I think they felt that it's probably time now as we get into year five to, to really kick things in gear and, and start to really focus on building from top to bottom. Arm, of course, we know the legacy of Derek Jeter, the shortstop. Derek Jeter, the player. Derek Jeter, number two in the pinstripes. But how will you remember Derek Jeter's time as an executive and the CEO of the Marlins? <sighs> yeah, you know, that is that is a really interesting question, right? Because... I think that's something that a lot of fans were, the, the sentiment I got was, how should I feel? 
almost people asking me how they should feel. Um, and honestly, I don't know totally how to feel about it just yet. What I will say is he took over a team that was in a very bad spot and he leaves it in, it, in a better spot. It is The team as a whole is in a better spot than where it was when he and his ownership group took over. Uh, were there a lot of things that could have gone a little bit better? Of course. Was the last year a good one? No. Uh, but I would say overall, there was a lot of positive trends, a lot of reaching out to the community, a lot of changes within the stadium. He got rid of the home run sculpture out in the outfield. Um, and I know some people <laughs> like that thing. That's a big win for me. Uh, I'm yeah. glad that thing's outside of the stadium now. Uh, <laughs> but I, I ultimately think because of the success in every other facet of his career uh, and how dramatic the success was, I find it hard to believe that anybody would look at this as anything other than a failure, unfortunately, just because I mean, there was a lot of promises made. And I'm not sure that they totally were able to uh, cash in on all of those promises. Arm Layton joining us here on the morning after on this first day of the month of March, one of the co-founders of Just Baseball Media covering everything MLB with the lockout latest with the remembering of Derek Jeter and his time as the CEO of the Miami Marlins and now Aram on this first day of March where I'm feeling optimistic because of my love for college basketball let's be optimistic and let's look toward the future and once we have a baseball season underway looking at some of those odds to win the pennant in both leagues let's begin in the National League, the Dodgers are a short favorite at plus 270. They are the favorites to win the World Series overall. But as you evaluate the NL moving forward this year, who might be some of those other teams that can contend with Los Angeles to hopefully claim a NL pennant? It's funny, man, because there's so many shoes that need to drop still, right? I mean, where is yeah. Freddie Freeman going to go? Is he going to go to the Dodgers and make them maybe the best team ever is he going to go back and run it back with the team that just won the world series i mean that that's a crazy crazy scenario that we still don't know and i think we're going to see a lot of shoes dropping on the other side of this lockout which is hopefully later today i bet we'll, the, the stove will get hot really quick uh but when i look across the landscape i mean i, I can't help but think that the Braves will be able to get back there. I, I know Freddie Freeman's the big sticking point. Assuming they're able to bring him back despite some of the reports, I think a little bit of it is posturing. I mean, this team won the World Series without one of the best players in baseball. They return now most of that team and have a lot of other guys ready to contribute. I, I think the Braves are a really exciting one to run it back, and I, and I think they are really not getting their due in terms of the respect that they deserve. And I'm expecting Alex Anthopoulos to continue to make a few more moves, whether it's with Freddie Freeman or not, to continue to bolster that team. And Ronald Acuna looks like he's ahead of schedule. Yeah, made some great moves last year at the trade deadline to position Atlanta for a postseason run. And anytime you have the reigning world champions with the third best odds to win the National League pennant, Maybe there's an argument for value there, especially when you add Ronald Acuna Jr. back to their organization. On the other side, Aram, in the American League, we have five teams all within $2 of each other, so a little bit more tightly contested in the AL. Who are a few teams you are keeping your eye on as we approach, hopefully, a Major League Baseball regular season? Yeah, the AL is really interesting because you have a lot of teams that are right on the precipice. And, you know, there's that, that classic conundrum where are you a year early on some of these teams and I think you look at the Seattle Mariners I think that's going to be a popular team for everyone to pile on to so we could probably see those odds continue to get shorter and shorter uh, but when you have Jared Kelnick who looked like 
the Jared Kalnick we expected over the final month of the season last year. Uh, you have Julio Rodriguez, one of the best prospects in baseball, ready to contribute. They bring in Robbie Ray. Uh, they bring in, I bring back, excuse me, Kyle Lewis, who should be able to contribute in, in a DH capacity. That is a really good team that I think has a lot of exciting pieces. Another one that I wouldn't sleep on because they have a ridiculous amount of assets. And if they want to go out and try to compete, they could. The Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians mm. have a lot of depth, maybe the deepest farm system in baseball, a ton of middle infielders that are close to big league ready, and a lot of guys that are ready to help out and a pitching staff that I think could be a lot better. Look out for the Cleveland Guardians. I love it, Arm. Thank you so much for your time. Hopefully good news later today. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around the association we go right here, right now, on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to be joined by Sam Quinn, an NBA reporter for CBS Sports, joining us here on TMA on this Tuesday to look at action in the NBA, both last night where that stands for the league and maybe a few games tonight to keep an eye on as well. Sam, thank you for joining us here on a Tuesday the morning after. Oh, thank you for having me. This is my favorite time of the year. We're really starting to ramp up now. I mean, it is a great time in the NBA, the home stretch of the NBA regular season. About 20 games left. Playoff positioning is front and center. And, of course, in the month of March, we need to make mention at all times, Sam, to college basketball as well. But let's focus on the NBA. In this home stretch, after a disappointing loss at home, you could say, on Saturday night to the Brooklyn Nets, it seemed like the Bucks were due for a bounce-back spot last night, and that is exactly what happened against the Charlotte Hornets, creaming Charlotte and covering as a double-digit favorite. So what did you make of Milwaukee's response, and how do you think, Sam, that sets up Giannis and company down this home stretch? Yeah, when the Bucks are making their threes, they're as good as anybody, right? They made 18 threes last night. As long as they're hitting their shots, they're going to be in pretty good shape. My issues over a longer-term sense with them are that without Brooke Lopez, they're really struggling to protect the basket. The defense, especially since Serge Ibaka has gotten there, has really gone downhill. I think giving up 115 points for 100 possessions with Serge Ibaka on the floor. And I could live with that if I felt a little bit better about their half-court shot creation. But, you know, Drew Holiday's not a traditional point guard. They relied on Chris Middleton in the playoffs last year to make a lot of these tough half-court shots that I don't know are sustainable. So... Right now, this is a pretty flawed team, and they've struggled over the last 25 games or so. I think they're 13-11 and 11 over their last 24, something like that. So right now, I'm really just waiting to see, is Brooke Lopez going to come back? Because if he doesn't, I do not feel good about the Bucks long term. So the Bucks a big win last night over Charlotte, 130-106. Toronto picking up a huge win last night in Brooklyn against the Nets at the Barclays Center, 133 97. But if the Nets feel sour about that loss, Sam, they get another opportunity tonight, this time on the road in the Great White North against these very same Raptors. And it's an interesting discussion, Sam, as it pertains to the Eastern Conference in my mind. Because after the Nets pulled off the upset on Saturday 
in Milwaukee. They became the lone favorites to win the East once again on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 290. But Brooklyn right now has lost 14 of their last 17 games and still very much in that eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. So how do you evaluate Brooklyn on a nightly basis and then what that means for their postseason outlook as well? I'll put it this way. If you're betting Brooklyn futures, you are essentially betting that talent outweighs everything else in basketball. That chemistry is just not all that important, that you don't need much continuity. And hey, if if James Harden and Kyrie Irving hadn't gotten hurt last year, they might have won the title that way, right? Like, obviously, James Harden's Mm -hmm. in Philly now. But still, they're the most talented team in the East, I think, by a pretty comfortable margin, right? They're the only team in the East that has three really true all-stars. Unless you want to count Milwaukee, I mean, Drew Holiday's so inconsistent on a night-to-night basis. But they've got all that extra shooting. I think Andre Drummond has been a very big upgrade for them at center. So I understand the logic of betting Brooklyn. That said, considering how little we know about when Ben Simmons is going to come back and how little we know about Kyrie Irving's availability in Brooklyn, you know, they're lifting the public spaces mandate in Brooklyn, but the private sector mandate is still live. So considering how little we know, I would probably stay away from them. If you're asking me to bet a team to win the East, I'm probably leaning Philly right now. I'm seeing them at around yeah. plus 350 at most books. But I understand the logic of, your, of betting Brooklyn. If you just line all these teams up and say who's the most talented, it's the Nets. Yeah, and that is really the fascinating discussion around Brooklyn and why for a majority of this year, despite maybe some nightly on-court struggles and some roster-limited availability, they have remained one of, if not the solo favorite, to win the East as they are right now on FanDuel. So Philly is plus 350 with the third best odds, as you were saying, Sam. And then you have the Miami Heat there in the fourth spot at plus 500, but the Heat dismantling the Bulls last night at home and certainly look like a strong contender for the Eastern Conference. How do you evaluate the likes of Miami, of Boston, who has played well here as of late, and still Chicago only two games back in that number two spot in the Eastern Conference? You know, I think it's going to be all about matchups with teams a little bit further down the the standings, or not the standings, the odds. Miami's defense is incredible, right? They're going to be able to get stops on anybody. I have no faith whatsoever in their ability to score against Milwaukee. We saw this in the playoffs last year. When Giannis defended Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler could barely score in the first round last season, right? If they draw the Bucks again, I see very little reason to believe they're going to be able to generate offense. Chicago, I think they're a great matchup for certain teams. I think they're a great matchup for Brooklyn. I think they're a great matchup for, you know, teams that are more guard heavy. But if you ask them to play against Philly with Joel Embiid, like I have no idea how they're going to stop them. So if you're looking at these teams that are a little bit further down, I think it's all going to come down to matchups. Celtics plus 900 right now, the fifth best price in the Eastern Conference. And Boston tonight at home, a seven-point favorite against the Atlanta Hawks, who were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, Sam, in this home stretch of the NBA regular season, how do you approach both of these teams, the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks? Hawks are right off. Um, I just don't see any chance of them doing anything significant in the playoffs. Now, they have Trey Young, so they'll be able to generate good shots. But I just don't see how they can stop enough people to win a playoff series this year. Um, As for Boston, I'm more open to it, right? The playoffs become more of a half-court game. And in more of a half-court setting, you need isolation shot creators, and they've got two of them in Tatum and Brown. Their defense has been absolutely spectacular. Now, I'm a little hesitant to bet on first-year head coaches in the playoffs. Nick Nurse is really an outlier in this respect for the most part. I tend to prefer Mm -hmm. veterans. So I'm a little scared on that front, but – 
I, I see the logic of Boston in it. Plus 900, those are pretty good odds considering how well they've played. I think they just had a stretch before that Pacers game on Sunday where they had outscored their opponents by like 200 points in 11 games. Like, this isn't nothing. They are killing teams right now. Yeah, and they are playing some very, very good basketball despite the dud in Indianapolis a couple of nights ago. So as we flip our attention from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference, we do that right here, right now on the morning after, joined by Sam Quinn, an NBA reporter for CBS Sports. And right now, as we look at the Western Conference, Sam, the preseason favorites were the Los Angeles Lakers. They are no longer the favorites in the West and might not even get out of the play-in tournament. How down bad right now, in your opinion, are the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, let me take things a step further. Are we absolutely sure they're going to make the play-in? Is that a guarantee right now? Because they were two and a half games up after their you know horrible loss to the Pelicans on Sunday. You look at the schedule. They have the hardest schedule left in the NBA. Their opponents have won 57% of their games. They only have eight home games left, and I believe 14 left. Um, The Pelicans now have the tiebreaker. If the Spurs beat them next Monday, March 7th, they'll have split the tiebreaker there, and we'll have to go way down the list. So right now, I am not totally convinced that they're going to make the play-in, especially because so much of what's gone right for them this year, as little as there is, relies on LeBron, and LeBron is 37. What happens if LeBron's knee just swells up and he has to miss five games again, right? Like, Are we convinced he's going to play all 22 of these games, especially if he's not invested, if he doesn't feel like this is a team with real postseason ambitions? Like, I would be very worried because all it takes is one little injury to LeBron, and suddenly you're looking at, like, an automatic five-game losing streak or six-game losing streak. So I'm not even convinced they're going to make the play. And if there's any part of you that wants to bet on the Lakers to, you know, win the finals or get to the finals or do anything in the playoffs, I would just say you're giving away your money. Yeah. You are certainly probably giving away your money at this moment. 26 to 1 to win the West right now for the Lakers. The longest price we have seen on Los Angeles all year long. Sam, at the All-Star break, the FanDuel Sportsbook was hanging odds to make the play-in tournament. And the Lakers were minus 300. They would not be that strong in minus money at this moment. And tonight at home inside Crypto.com Arena, the Lakers a five and a half point underdog against the Dallas Mavericks. So if things are not great right now for Los Angeles, they're a lot better for Dallas. Tied for the fifth best record in the Western Conference. And they are 21 and eight since Christmas. A very prolonged stretch of success here. What has impressed you most, Sam, about the Mavericks here as of late? Well, it's the defense, right? I mean, Jason Kidd, look, much maligned for his um, tenure with the Bucks, His defense was, frankly, a disaster and very anachronistic at that point. He's really improved. And I think this feels like the idealized version of a Luka Doncic team, right? Like, they're making shots, they're getting stops, and if you can do those two things in the playoffs, Luka's going to generate enough shots for you to win games, right? Like, they almost took down the Clippers twice, and I don't know if there's a team in this year's playoff field that's as good as the Clippers were last year, you know, especially with all the injuries around the West. So, I understand the idea of betting on the Mavericks. They they might have the best player in the Western Conference playoffs. If they don't, you know, who's going to out-duel Luka, right? Like, maybe Jokic? I think that's close to a draw. LeBron probably not going to be, you know, deep into the playoff field. So, Dallas, they've kind of built, I'm not going to say an ideal team around Luka, but they're playing the way that you need to play around Luka to win at a high level. And Luka is on a stretch right now of really good basketball. The Mavericks, 19-1, to as we have mentioned, those Western Conference odds right now. The sixth 
best price to take home the conference championship. The Golden State Warriors, Sam, the second best price as one of the favorites to win the West at plus 180. It would seem that maybe the Dubs have a little bit of an open window right now to try to catch the Phoenix Suns for the top spot in the West without Chris Paul for Phoenix, but Golden State is struggling in their own right and not exactly healthy at the moment. Golden State has lost five of their last seven. Clay did not play the other night against Dallas, and we haven't seen Draymond Green in what feels like an eternity. How do you look at the Golden State Warriors here in the final couple of weeks of this NBA regular season? Yeah, I think the one seed is probably out of reach. I believe they're six games behind Phoenix. It might have gone up to seven. I think that that gap is too big. But I would just go out and say that if you think Draymond is going to be healthy, it's worth noting that we have really not seen their whole healthy team all year. And if we're still keeping pace with the Suns for you know most of the first couple of months, if you think Draymond is going to come back and be healthy in the playoffs, there's a really good argument to think that they're the best team in the West. And it will be a fascinating race there as well with Phoenix at plus 170 now, the Warriors at plus 180. Golden State has the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight who have also been playing some pretty good ball after the All-Star break. Golden State, a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game tonight on the road in the Twin Cities. So, Sam, I finished by asking you this. It seems that the Eastern Conference right now with Philadelphia as your front runner is the team that might come out of a very jam-packed conference. But who will be that team playing Philly in your mind in the Eastern Conference Finals? In the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, I would probably lean Miami because they're the safest bet, right? I have the closest idea of what I think they're going to be in the playoffs. With Milwaukee, you're wondering about Brook Lopez's health. With Brooklyn, you're wondering about Kyrie Irving's availability and, you know, Ben Simmons' availability, frankly. So I think Miami is probably the safest bet, but the truth is we're going to have to see how the seeding shakes out, right? Because there's a chance that, like, Brooklyn ends up playing Philadelphia in the first round and the two best teams are going at it right from the start. So I would say Miami's the safest bet, but the truth of the matter is this it could, it could be five or six teams. And right now in the Eastern Conference, the seven top seeds all within seven games of each other. Sam Quinn joining us here on the morning after, an NBA reporter for CBS Sports. Sam, thank you very much for your time on this Tuesday. Thanks, anytime. More of the morning after to come up next right here on SportsGrid. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. It is the month of March. College basketball and the madness has ensued. But that will also be the case for this home stretch of the NBA regular season. We are about to be in the postseason in college basketball. It's all about postseason and playoff positioning in the National Basketball Association as well. So as we close out our number two, it's time to look at the Western Conference market that changed a ton in the past 24 hours. We do that right now in Buy or Sell. (laughs) 
So as we correlate the Western Conference odds to the Western Conference standings, you can see that it's a very top-heavy market. The Phoenix Suns, even without the point guard, still hold a six-game advantage for that top spot. In the West, Golden State, six games behind, and then Memphis, one spot behind Golden State right now for those two and three seeds, respectively. And then you look at where the Western Conference odds are, and Phoenix and Golden State very, very short numbers compared to the rest of the field. Do we buy or do we sell that Phoenix and Golden State should have this clear distinction from the West rest of the Western Conference with Phoenix at plus 170 and Golden State plus 180? They were co-favorites before this very day to start off the month of March. I am buying it because of two things. One, I think that Phoenix has proved they deserve to be the favorite at this price at plus 170. And once Chris Paul comes back for hopefully a healthy postseason run, I think Phoenix is a clear spot above the rest of the Western Conference. However, I will direct your attention if any part of me wanted to sell on the Denver Nuggets. 12-1, to and if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., despite the slander from Kevin Walsh in the opening hour, are back and healthy alongside Nikola Jokic, that 12-1 to ticket could present a ton of value for the Western Conference postseason. Happy hour of the first day of March. It's up next here on The Morning After.